The Mahe Mysteries is brought to you in association with Seychelles Tourism from the land of tradition, mystery and endless surprise. For more information, visit www.seychelles.travel. Mahe Mysteries, investigated by Patrick Muirhead, inspired by real events on a remote tropical island, but all characters and action depicted are imaginary. All That Remains, Episode 2. The Countess wrinkled her nose at Sebastian's proposition that supernatural rather than more earthly forces might have been responsible for the appearance of three human skulls around the island earlier that day. We'd been invited for drinks on her veranda that evening. Ah, yes, I said with a smirk. Gri-gri, mischief by witchcraft. The local bonhomme de bois must have had a busy few hours, and patience if he travelled by bus. You shouldn't laugh at this, said Sebastian. It's a sign. Keep away. Bernard arrived with a tray of drinks and passed them around in silence. Thank you, Bernard, said the Countess. But, oh, you've forgotten the bath olivers and the cheese. We discussed this, I distinctly recall. Will you bring them now? But of course, madame, my sincere apologies, he said, winking a conspiratorial greeting to us before sliding wordlessly away backwards towards the salon. The Countess took a long draw from her tumbler before setting it carefully on the table at her side. It's so very difficult to find good help, as they so often say. Bernard has been with me for years, but, you know, he really is the most useless man, utterly impractical, and not a brain cell in his head. But I have no choice. I must keep him. So it seems, I said, sipping my whiskey. Better to have a man about the house than none especially when there's a manic skull fetishist running amok on the island. But, you know, I don't believe for one moment what you've told me, the Countess said. People would use any excuse to take pot shots at the government. Rumours, that's all. There's no real substance to it. It's just political chatter. No, this is something far simpler, and it's quite obvious if one looks at where these skulls have been turning up. You have a theory, I said. It's not a theory, Patrick. It's a fact, and I'm certain of it. These skulls were placed deliberately to draw unwelcome attention upon the church. Now, that's no accident. It's a message, as Sebastian says. But it's nothing to do with Grigory, no. This is simply designed to cast the priests in a bad light. And you know what I'm driving at, don't you? I shrugged. Whatever was on her mind, whether true or not, and I could easily guess, 
I was willing to indulge her, to placate her, if nothing else. Child abuse? What else? she said, as Bernard returned with a highly tempting platter of English Stilton, setting it down mutely before retreating. She went on, It's been happening for years here behind closed doors, the dirty secret of all these priests. Everyone knows it, and someone is trying to warn them that their day of judgment is coming. It couldn't be anything else. Sebastian suppressed a snort and rolled his eyes. But the third skull was discovered at a bus stop, I said. That rather debunks your theory, doesn't it? If the perpetrator was hoping to shame the local clergy, why would he leave a gruesome relic for a traveller on the number 11 bus to Takamaka to find? Why, indeed, said the Comtesse. That makes it all the more sinister, does it not? They're telling us they are everywhere, normal mortals among us. A most unpleasant possibility. But I'm quite sure my deduction is correct. And you, Patrick, should set to finding out who is behind this nasty business. After all, isn't that what journalists do? Investigate things? It seems you now have time on your hands, so I'm relying on you. It sounded more like an instruction than a suggestion, but I let it pass. The Comtesse picked up her glass and took another pull on her whiskey. And now, let us play Scrabble, she said. I slept badly that night. Indigestion has been my lifelong curse and probable source of much of my irascibility. So I was already awake when dawn broke, pulled on some swimming shorts and let the dogs out, following them through the coconut trees to the end of the garden and onto the beach. At sunrise, indeed at most times, it was completely deserted. The sand still virgin, the sky tinted pale indigo. Only the leisurely surge and tug of the ocean and a passing lobster fisherman collecting his catch in a small cacciolo with a sputtering motor disturbed the early morning silence. But despite the tranquillity of the moment, which tourists so crave, I felt viscerally at odds with it, misshapen and not just because I was suffering from wind and the previous evening's overindulgence. It wasn't even anxiety induced by unemployment. That storm had not yet made landfall. After breakfast, I decided there would be only one way to excise the demon desire to chase down an explanation for the skulls, for it was that insistent intrusion into my thoughts that I felt certain was causing my malaise. There was a visit I must make, but later. First, I picked up my phone, flicked through my extensive collection of professional contacts, stopping when I reached the name Madeleine Mondon, the director of burials for Mahe's public cemeteries. If anyone would know anything about the dead, the buried, perhaps the unburied, then she was as likely as any. Are you suggesting that these coxies have been exhumed from graves? she asked. Exhumed. 
Well, it's a possibility, isn't it? I said. Where else, apart from the mortuary, is one likely to find a ready supply of human skulls? And these were old. You are not the first journalist to be asking, said Madeline. And I will tell you exactly what I told the others. It is most unlikely. We have security cameras in all the larger cemeteries and a watchman. It would perhaps be a very foolish man to consider such an improper and sacrilegious act to open a grave and steal the remains. Or a ghost, I said glibly, floating Sebastien's spooky theory. My levity didn't amuse her, as I really should have known better. It is no matter for light-heartedness, she said. This was an act of desecration, of disrespect. And you, by now, must well understand that we Seishawa are most sensitive to such things. We are a conservative country and find such acts as disturbing the dead very hurtful. But I can say this. You are correct that the three skulls they showed on TV were all very old and they were sandy. If they'd been taken from a grave, they would show red earth, not sand. The earth in the cemeteries is red. It sticks to the remains. So I'm sure they came from some other source, though I cannot say from where or from whom. We hung up and I showered, pulling on a polo shirt, shorts and a pair of flip-flops, catching the morning radio news as I did so, before settling down on the veranda with coffee and a couple of Winstons. As I had expected, there had been little added overnight to the details already known. The Seychelles Police Force's science unit had completed gathering the evidence and the skulls were being sent away to South Africa for DNA analysis. But it was the morning's other main news item which captured more of my attention, an announcement from the Catholic diocese that one of the island's priests had been suspended while an investigation into historic allegations of an unspecified nature were carried out. He was, as it happened, a priest I had already decided to call on that afternoon. It took barely 20 minutes in the mini moak to cross the mountainous spine of Mahe's interior and reach Pointe-Celle on the other side of the island. As I pulled up at the church of Notre-Dame du Perpetuel Secours, I found Père Maurice in rolled-up sleeves perspiring heavily. He was helping two ladies of the congregation who were armed with sponges and buckets of soapy water to remove colourful and probably actionable accusations about him that had been freshly daubed on the wall of the sacristy. How could they do such things, he spluttered indignantly. It is the devil at work. Distressing indeed, I thought. Can we walk and talk, I asked. We left the ladies and followed the footpath up through the church garden to a patch of common land stopping at the edge of a tussocky football pitch. It's a bad business, this, said the priest. But I know why you are here. You are hoping to gain some exclusive 
for your television news, isn't it so? But I see you've not brought your usual entourage of cameramen and people with microphone booms this time. I'm in the same pirogue as you, Pear, I said, out of favour with the boss currently. So I'm here on a personal mission, inquiry born of personal interest. What do you expect me to tell you? That the lies they say about me are true? All I've seen is the graffiti. You haven't told me why they've suspended you. He clasped his hands. They were shaking. The old priest was brimming with anger, but also, I sensed, something more. He looked up at me, meeting my eye calmly. I can tell you something, he said. My ministry is very long. I'm near to retirement, so I can say I have had much experience of life, of this island life. I've seen many things, but I've not been tempted by the manifestations of desire that cause others such pain, such chaos in their lives. Drugs, alcohol, all the things that are causing us in this little country such pain. I've given my life to the service of the Heavenly Father. But I am human, and once, perhaps, a very long time ago, at the beginning of my ministry, I was not the man I am now. And as you see, I am now a very old and tired man. And now with these skulls, people are jumping to conclusions. These are the devil's wishes. I pursed my lips and regarded him carefully before deciding to push him gently for more. But there is something, isn't there? You just hinted at something in the past, at the start of your priesthood, when you were not the man you are now. Père Maurice looked away towards the ocean, hesitating for a moment, before returning his gaze to me. He had an openness in his expression, a look of sincerity. Of course, haven't we all known occasions when we did not always act in the right way? When I was young, I lacked self-discipline. I made mistakes, the same as any mortal. You can wear the dog collar, but it does not provide complete protection from all human frailty. You must develop strength to resist, and I did. It comes with time and understanding. I cannot tell you anything to enlighten you about the skulls. But despite what some may say or wish to believe, God cleanse their sinful souls, I am not, and have never been, a pederast. The Mahe Mysteries was created by Patrick Muirhead and Lindsay Farabo. It was written, narrated, and produced by Patrick Muirhead. Music was by Isham Rath. It was an operculum media production recorded on location in Mahe Island, Seychelles. The Mahe Mysteries is brought to you in association with Seychelles Tourism from the land of tradition, mystery, and endless surprise. For more information, visit www. Seychelles.travel I'm Eliza, and I need you to listen to me. 
Have you ever felt so much that you don't know where to put it all? And you wonder if anyone would notice if you screamed? Because you want to. Scream for the ones they've hurt, the ones they've taken. Scream for yourself. These are my words, my story from my perspective. Because I know you'll hear other versions. Because I want you to have a chance to believe mine. Or at least hear it. If you're getting this, it's already over. But if one of you listens, really listens, it won't be for nothing.